White Noise, the extremely popular app that helps millions sleep better, now allows you to share your audio experiences with the entire White Noise community. Download White Noise for free by TMSoft. Who's going to acquire Twitter? And are hackers stealing your vote? All that and more, Tech 411 starts now. Your personal guide to everything tech. Tech 411. Tech 411 with Oscar Santana and Todd Moore. I'm Oscar Santana. Welcome to Tech 411. And I'm Todd Moore. And this is show number 160. Thanks for tuning in. 160. What are we going to do for our 200th show, Todd? Retire. <laughs> This is like the death rattle of Tech 411. Like it wants to die, but it always comes back. <laughs> so we've got a, a great, great show planned out for you today. Quick, Do uh, we really? Yes. Editors. Now, way to sell it. Uh, editors <laughs> note, uh, we'll have an update uh, midweek episode. So like a min, uh, mini-sode of Tech 411 this coming week. So a little more content coming your way from your boys, Oscar and Todd. Well, that's because Google is doing a major uh, announcement on October 4th, and part of that is an introduction of new phones that we've been talking about before, the new Pixel phones that are going to be geared towards VR. They're going to be officially launching their new Google Home product, which is an Echo competitor, and they also have a Chromecast Ultra 4K router uh, slash a new router update. So there's going to be so much stuff to cover that uh, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this, much more so than, than the iPhone 7 announcement. Todd, a uh, quick sidebar. just want to ask you your take on Chromecast. Um, uh, you know, I've got the Amazon Fire Stick. I think we all picked one of those up when they were on sale that one day from Amazon. I tried out the Chromecast for the very first time in, I imagine, two, three years because my brother had one in a box that he had ordered, mm -hmm. and it was cumbersome, and I, and I thought it was user error, so I started yelling at my brother. Always fun to do that. And then I, uh, I logged on. I was like, this really doesn't let me do anything. <laughs> well, it's yeah, the Chromecast is that limited device that really is just an AirPlay device. If you're an Apple person, you can yeah. just throw over video straight to the, the Chromecast. It's a little different than AirPlay. It's a little more sophisticated in that um, AirPlay is actually a bit inefficient because when you're on your iPhone, you're actually consuming the uh, video to your iPhone and then rebroadcasting it to the AirPlay, where the Chromecast, you're just you're basically doing a handoff. You're saying, here, play this, play this content and it streams direct. I'm right to assume though, if you have a Chromebook or you have an Android device, there's probably a litany of more executable um, functions that that you would actually be able to do if you had one of those devices. Yeah, so you know you're probably wanting the Android TV, uh, which which is has your interface and has apps and all that. And that's Android TV competes directly with with the Apple TV. Um, whereas Chromecast is just kind of a cheap, smaller device. The rumor is they're going to come out with 4K, but we'll be covering that at, during the event. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, Chromecast, um, I don't, you know, that's mainly you would only get it as as an extension to your Android phone. So if you don't have an Android phone, 
I don't know um, how useful it would Hence be. Hence the frustration as we're all Apple users in the Santana family. And we said, why did we buy this? Uh, we, we <laughs> and adults, uh, doctors. We all have like. iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should have got the Apple TV. Questions instead. were asked. All yeah. right. I'm excited about the mini so that we'll have later on this week. Speaking of the Amazon Echo, I don't know if enough people know about this. The Sonos speakers that are super popular these days. Uh, they are pretty pricey, but for those that are in the market for some sort of surround system or uh, sound in every room, uh, for your wireless solution, I just got into the Sonos family. My uh, wonderful fiance got me uh, one of those bigger speakers for graduation from business school, and they're as built, just wonderful speakers. But the one uh, knock on them were that they were at one point, a closed system. You couldn't integrate other smart devices into the system. Uh, we briefly talked about this in a pre-show meeting. It, I don't think enough people know that the Amazon Echo now lets you control your Sonos speakers. And it's news to me. Yes, and it's 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 pretty. It's a smart move. A from um, did you set it up for Sonos? No, it it we I I don't I don't spend enough time in my house right now because of all the work that's been going on there. And I, uh, the asbestos that I imagine is just uh, the dust that's uh, in the air. I usually try to leave the home, but I'll tell you that this is something that I will do after this weekend's work as, Todd, the house looks completely different. For those of you that listen to the Michael Mara show, I bought a spite house in Georgetown. It is as, th as thin as a slice of bread. Uh, and somehow I am trying to make it feel uh, like home. And... Um, one of the guys asked me, speaking of technology, he says, do you want to run Cat6 cable throughout your house? I said, no. Does it no. look like this house needs Cat6? One yes. router in the basement. Every house no. needs Cat6. One router in the basement, Todd, covers the whole house. That's how small it is. So <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah, but you you're going to be competing. That Wi-Fi is going to be competing with the whole neighborhood. You're going to, you know, if you're going to be doing any type of gaming, you're probably going to want that Cat6 cable. Yeah, but they there is I don't have drywall. They would have to chisel into the brick and lay it in uh, there. Oh, so it would be an that's be a pricey investment. It's a pricey it just, investment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, as soon as he said we could chisel through the brick, and I said no, <laughs> no. The only one chiseling chisel here is brick. is on the oh. price you're about to quote me for that, and I'll well, pass. I, I did that with my house. I had to you know drop Cat Six cable from the upstairs down through the garage and then down to where the the my um, cable router is because I just got so tired of Wi-Fi streaming issues. And you know you're having issues when you're on Netflix and you constantly see it pause or it's like rebuffering yeah. or the, the, yeah, the video just degrades and you, it gets pixelated. I mean, that's the telltale sign that you know, you, you maybe your your Wi-Fi is competing too much with your neighbors, and I just got so frustrated with that. I ended up, you know, running Cat Six all through the house. So, you know, if it's not expensive to do, Oscar, you might want to consider it. I'll think about it. There, there's, there's enough holes in my wall right now that I'm sure they could shimmy something up there. Uh, I also know this that Sonos um, is is really opening up their, I guess, ecosystem because as they far have to, they have to, <laughs> as far as these products are concerned, you're going to want, whether it's your Apple TV, your Siri, your Amazon Echoes to control those speakers. So if they remain closed, then people are going to look for other solutions. And you mentioned this oh, yeah. again before the, pro, before the program, we're going to have that Google announcement here coming up uh, this week. But 
Amazon Echo is doing everything they can to take over your home as far as um, your in-home smart home uh, capabilities are concerned. Oh, yeah. Right. They've they've got so many third party developers working on the Echo right now. I think the uh, there's thousands of skills that you can add to Alexa. And uh, obviously they're worried about October 4th in two days. Google will be announcing their home product and it's a direct competitor. I think Google, you know, they announced it when I was out there at Google I.O. this year. It's taken them um, a long time, I feel, to get this product out the door, um, you know, Amazon certainly had a huge head start and I don't think anybody could predict how, you know, how well received that product would be, but people, um, absolutely love the Amazon echo. And in response to Google, uh, releasing their own product, you're seeing on Amazon right now, they're selling six packs and 12 packs of the Amazon dot um, which are 50 bucks a piece. And if you get a six pack, you get one free. So you're paying for five, you get one extra for free. Or if you're buying 10, you get two extra for free. Um, so what their vision is, they want you to put a Amazon dot in every single room. And I tell you, I couldn't resist. I ended up buying, you know, an extra dot to throw in my bedroom because it's so convenient to be able to to use Alexa from anywhere in the house. Yeah, I enjoy listening to the Michael Mara show or Big O and Dukes uh, or Tech 411, just asking her. Or, you know, it's even better uh, than just listening to the programs on there. It's also fun to just in general have a question that you have and have it answered. The small yeah. pain points of Alexa set the alarm. It, for some reason, it seems so much better than going to my phone, figuring out, oh, well, I'm going to need eight hours, yada, yada, yada. No, I say, Alexa, set the alarm till 7.15 a.m. And she's like, morning or afternoon? Morning, bitch. We're good. You know? <laughs> now, I don't yeah. degrade her that way because she doesn't respond to those things. But I'll say in general that um, really overall, like she listens and she gets it done. No, it sounds like this is an abusive relationship. <laughs> no. you know, if you're talking to her like that, I don't yell at her, Todd. Come on. Well, you, you just said that. you did. Well, you know, it's uh, saying those no, I nasty say, names. I, I but I, I understand because sometimes she doesn't understand, and you, that can be frustrating. And you know, I know you lose your temper all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm the Hulk. <laughs> I'm Michael Mara. I'm sure. But doesn't she works right? Yeah, she works great. Uh, you, as you know, I I. Um, have my light bulbs controlled by Alexa. And I, I think that um, the coolest thing is when, you know, you're on your couch and you're ready to watch a movie and you go, Alexa, turn the lights off and all of the lights go off. And, and, and so I use the, um, the Philips Hue light bulbs and I've been slowly just kind of replacing the bulbs in my house with these, uh, the hues the so that bulbs, they, yeah. yeah. So you can uh, automatically control them, you know, either from Alexa or your iPhone. Yeah, no, they're, they're, it's a phenomenal, um, I guess, really evolution of this type of technology. The smart home has been around for some time and it's been extremely pricey. Now, with the integration of both, you know, the technology that Amazon is offering and looks like Google and Apple will in the future and the smart devices, the Internet of Things that everybody talks about. It really, it's a hands-free environment. That's the real key. That's the winner right there, that it's so hands-free and it's actually doing what you ask it to do. Yeah, being able to control anything in your house with your voice is 
is a real convenience because you don't always have your phone with you and just pulling out the phone and launching whatever app, you know, it's not as easy. I know Apple just released their new home app, which is supposed to simplify that, you know, putting everything in one app. But the important thing, and you know, the, the, the company that's really going to win, um, some, you know, smart home automation, um, are going to be the guys that integrate with the most third party products and, like I said before, I think Amazon has uh, kind of paved that uh, way, and and now that they have thousands of skills, and as you mentioned, like integrating with Sonos, I think I think that's just key. Like they're going to keep doing that. They're throwing tons of developers and money at this. Amazon is, and so um, I I see this fight really heating up. You know, more so than than smartphones at this point, because um, this is really. Next to VR, this is the the next battleground. Companies want to own the home. Yeah, I agree 100%. I can't wait to see because in the long run, this competition uh, really benefits the consumer as prices for products will go down and features will go up. Well, I want to move on and talk a little bit about Homeland Security. Whoa! Yes, hackers are probing voting systems. And maybe you've heard this but there's a thing or been two about some, a thing or two. Is that right? Yes. Well, there's, there's concern that hackers have been casing state voting systems and the, the Department of Homeland Security has offered cybersecurity assistance to any states that request it. Now, I think this is interesting that the federal government is coming in and saying, hey, we're going to help you on a on a statewide basis if you feel that your systems are being hacked because we want a fair election, right? Well, you know, my, I assert that any type of foreign state interaction with the election is not just an assault on uh, the integrity of our election; it's an assault on our democracy. And regardless of who the candidates are and who is in power, that if that is ever questioned, mm -hmm. then it, it really questions the foundation of what this country is built on. Tell me that this type of um, state, I, I guess, attacks to the integrity of our election system, whether it's for president or governor or senator, is not something that is a federal and national security issue. I think that, I mean, I I can't remember a time where um, the federal government has said, we, we're here to help your your cybersecurity with, with all these voting systems. And by the way, the voting systems are all a mess. I thought uh, they were all still analog. I didn't know they went digital. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a mix, right? But um, I don't think that, you know, there's much consistency across all the different states. I think it's up to the states to kind of implement their own, their own systems, right? Yes. So they're looking for, I mean, they, it's good that the federal government is offering assistance to help because I'm sure that you know, if, if if these voting machines are accessible in any way to yeah. the internet, then they're going to get hacked. Of course, okay? they're yes. going to be. There's no way everyone has an air gap. Says, oh, I know what. There's there's going to be someone that plugs into that network, right? Because they want to watch you stream. 
Yeah, that's right. And it, and it could be uh, a localized thing, too. I mean, there, there could certainly be uh, hackers on the ground, if you will, even if there was an air gap. Yes. Uh, that are going to try I've to do something. Mr. It's Robot. kind of happened before where voting machines were, you know, they, they already had like votes pre-installed. Uh, I remember that from, I guess, the the Bush election. There were machines that actually had, you know, came with plus 500, plus 1,000 yeah, 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 yeah. votes in one way or the other. So, um, or I think it even, there were some that even came with negative votes. So it started like the balance was negative 500 for, you know, one of the candidates. So, so these machines, uh, this type of, I guess, and, and this is to your point, uh, Todd. So, yes, it's interesting because we are now in a space where there is a mix of analog and digital uh, election, um, I really, I guess it would be machines, and because the 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 e side is so susceptible to this type of 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 actual interference in, in our elections, they have mm-hmm. someone has to address it. I'm actually scared that the federal government doesn't even have the right type of talent to address these type of issues. And if the federal government doesn't have it, I can almost guarantee you when I would put money on it that the state doesn't have it. Well, the latest statement from the DHS says so far, 21 states have raised their hands for assistance. So um, that's interesting. From a security side, this is just another infrastructure issue, right? Well, that and that's the other thing is DHS is is, once – the U.S. government to consider voting machines as critical infrastructure, things like Ooh. you know the power grids, yeah. dams, things like that, and they want to put election setups under greater scrutiny. And I think that's a step in the right direction, um, but this is being really pushed because of the recent hacks with uh, the oh, DNC. Oh, I look. I, I think it, it comes. It, I think there's a, a clear link because they've shown that there is some clear flaws in and in the long run, if you read between the lines, you know, if, if as far as Russia is concerned, it seems um, that they are very interested in the outcome of this election. And um, they've, I think, come short of stating that they'll do anything they can to, to influence it in one way or another. And some may call that, you know, just, uh, I guess, overall, um, what, what, what's the best word to say? The boasting or just they're just uh, saying that to put the, the scare into our uh, election system. But others, and myself included, really believe that if that is the case, I mean, imagine if we were if the U.S. was doing that. And I and some may say we do do that. Uh, but, like I, you know, it just doesn't seem right for one reason or another. And remember, we I used to yell about why can't we just vote online like we bank online? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know if that's going to get any closer these days with what's going on now. It seems to me that we could be voting online. We could use, you know, um, two-factor authentication and, and have a fairly safe uh, method of, of voting. Will it happen in my lifetime? I have no idea. It would be nice. It would be convenient. I think voting should be more convenient. Um, I know a lot of people have a hard time uh, getting off work and getting to, you know, the voting stations and there's long lines to deal with at at certain times. So that needs to be more accessible. It needs to be uh, easier to do. But the last thing we'd ever want 
is for hackers to steal your vote. And yeah. clearly that's what the concern is. And I think that's that it's good that states are raising their hands and saying, hey, we'll take some free help. We'll take some free cybersecurity help because it's very, very difficult um, to to know everything that you're dealing with, with when it comes to cybersecurity that, you know, you talk about the zero day threats. We don't know what's out there. And, you know, you need to have a tool set that's going to make sure that these voting machines can't be compromised. No, it's fascinating. It absolutely is. I hope one day within our lifetime, Todd, we have Alexa voting for us <laughs> and you can just drop it to her and say, Alexa, vote for you know, yeah, and then I'm going to run over to your house and say, Alexa, change my vote. <laughs> <laughs> Just like someone came to my house and said, Alexa, order 10,000 staples. And luckily, I was able to intercept that before. Oh, someone did? Yeah, like that's how you F with someone who has an Alexa. You're oh, like, no. <laughs> that is not okay. Order a hundred things of laundry detergent. Mac wants to tip in real quick. Mac, yeah, go I ahead. I just want a little pushback for uh, the whole thing that the uh, DHS was saying about making it on the same level as the electric grid. Uh, I read something that uh, the downside to that is that it would make the election system kind of universal. And one of the silver linings of this current hack is that the states are so different that if they Ooh. hack one state, it pretty much can only affect that one area and it won't affect everyone now if the dhh makes it universal if they hack something it could influence the election nationwide thank you mac let's all go back to paper everyone that's all the, right. way. That's the, the only way, way that we'll be able to give stop me my hanging chads yes no big deal that. all right um so but now that we've got point, this i understand stuff, that yeah that makes sense but, Let's move on if we can. I want to talk a little bit, uh, a small update from Samsung. They said, you know, of course, the Note 7 was a complete and total recall, worldwide safety recall on the Galaxy Note 7. Um, so far, Samsung says about 50% of the Note 7 handsets sold in the U.S. have been exchanged since the recall announcement. If you have not, <laughs> received your new Note 7, uh, you should definitely uh, do that. Um, you and I, I hear there's like when you go into um, the, the the mobile stores, the cell phone stores, there's like a sticker now on the Samsung phones. They'll have a little S sticker for safe. <laughs> and those are the ones you want to get. You want to make sure of that. Um, and it, it appears that 90% of the Note 7 owners are opting for replacement instead of just getting the cash and buying an iPhone. So maybe Samsung's not going to, you know, go out of business over this, but they're definitely going to be hit pretty hard financially. Yeah. And if you're a parent and you have a choice between a Samsung or an iPhone or even a different device that may be out there, you're definitely going to think twice about that because, you know, as an adult, you can you can be like, all right, I gotta watch my phone. I really love the Samsung. Like, I just gotta, I just gotta keep an eye on it. Um, but if you're a teenager, you know, you get a tweet or Instagram update, like they're gonna forget about that. And it's not. Uh, Apple does have some bad news in the press. Um, Apple was recently hit with a proposed class action lawsuit over iPhone touch disease, and this affects iPhone six and six plus. Um, the first versions of the, the six, not the S, but the six and six plus, which I actually use. And Oscar, you know, you've heard me complain 
that at times my touch screen will just stop functioning and yeah. it and I have to like lock the phone or reboot it to get that functionality back. Well, I was not alone. Apparently, there is a class action lawsuit saying that Apple knew about this problem and they have not fixed it and they're just trying to brush it under the rug. And so this will be interesting to follow and see if if Apple actually does anything because they claim it's a hardware issue. They claim because these devices, as you recall, the iPhone 6, the original, would bend, bend yeah, gate, right? And so, and I had that problem too. One of my, my first iPhone 6, like ended up falling off the table and it just completely bent up. It was mm. unusable and shattered the screen and it was, it will, it's just not strong enough. And they fixed that in the success by upgrading the aluminum quality, but the original iPhone six still has that problems. And so I fix it thinks that it is because of Ben gate that, uh, the microcontroller for the touchscreen will become loose and stop functioning. So, um, kind of interesting. I hope, uh, Apple actually addresses the problem. I, I but, think, I think that, at, you know, if you're looking at, um, let's talk about antenna gate, Ben gate, there's always these smaller issues. I've definitely had that issue, by the way, with my touchscreen. Not so much now. with Well, I don't have it at all now with uh, iPhone 7. But with my iPhone, iPhone 6, we talked about on the program that I had, like, it would just freeze, then I'd have to reset it, and then five minutes later, I'd be up and running again. Uh, I would hope they address these, but if we're going to compare both, you know, not everything's great for Apple, clearly, but it's certainly not a Samsung issue, like a game changer. You have to come in and return your phone and hope for a new one that's not going to you know, hopefully deteriorate on itself. Yeah, and I just recently had my iPhone 6 replaced. So if they, it, it appears since I was still having problems and I got this phone within the last few months, it, it seems like the problem's still there. But once I upgraded to iOS 10, by the way, yes. uh, the phone has been doing much better. I've seen that problem a lot less. And surprisingly, my phone is much faster. So if you're holding out and you're still on iOS 9, I'm going to go ahead and recommend right now that you should upgrade. It's been a great upgrade since since I did it to my iPhone 6. Tomo's stamp of approval right there that comes uh, with a heavy hand. Boom, bam. Uh, yeah, uh, if you're waiting because you think it's going to kill your phone, as Todd said, go ahead and update. I, th I think it's totally worth it, and it just appears like everything is so much snappier, so much faster. And that's always my concern with these, you know, the big upgrades. Do you think, uh, Todd, as we as we wrap up here and we, we jump into uh, apps of the week, just briefly, your take on Twitter and who should or should not be acquiring them? Um, mm. As of late, we got Microsoft, Salesforce, her Disney this past weekend. Disney is now uh, looking seriously at an option which would. You think, well, why would Disney use it? Um, yeah. As far as content's concerned, they could use that social arm to verti vertically integrate their ABC, uh, Disney, and uh, sports portfolios that they have as they own ESPN. Mm -hmm. uh, it certainly seems that they would be buying the whoever does buy Twitter at a discount compared to where they were valued just about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's got certain value. Growth potential is yet to be really deciphered as it is the slowest growing social network, but it's still a big platform. So that's a good question. I haven't put too much thought into that, but right off the top of my head, I know Microsoft, I think, is a big investor in Twitter. Is, is that right or was that Facebook? 
Um, I, let me, uh, I think it might be both. Everybody, everybody, it's very incestuous, it seems, these days. I'll give you a, a confirmation. Yeah. Let's say it is, but let me know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft could have a play there in that um, they have Skype. And we use Skype. I use Skype at work. We use it for our podcasts. In many ways, Skype could, I think, be integrated directly into Twitter and you could kind of merge those two products. I think that would be an interesting way to do it. Uh, but I would say my number one, the per, the company that should buy it would probably be Google. They're in the um, works. They're in the mix. Of course, they had a, a failed uh, social network called Google+. Plus. Um, it's still there. It's still usable. Um, and I still like it. Like I occasionally go on and I see interesting things, mostly because they're all tech people on there. But if they could merge the Google Plus and Twitter, just drop Google Plus completely and somehow integrate it all into uh, Twitter, yeah. uh, I think they, that that would be um, a great move Twitter for, Plus. for Google. Yeah, Twitter oh, Plus. I think it could be a great move if Google did that. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to get the price they want uh, for Twitter, but you know, Twitter is not making money. That's why they're, they're looking to sell. They've tried a lot of things that haven't worked. Um, I think Twitter's biggest problem is that it's mostly spammers and bots or that just, are using Twitter. You don't need really, you really don't need Twitter unless you're in the press and, uh, and you can find but, most of this information elsewhere. And a lot of people don't like the 140 characters, even if they, it's even expanded at this point. Hmm. I like that feature. I like that. You have to be precise and not type a whole lot. So I think that was kind of the, the nice things about Twitter. I like that, you know, the, every celebrity in the world is on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And you, you see what Donald Trump's been able to do with Twitter and how he has such a massive following. It, it really, what other social platform can you do that on? It's, it's not Snapchat. It's not Facebook. So Twitter is still very relevant. When it's you know comes to public facing, yeah, um, and I think uh, I think it's it's not going to go away. And if Google came in here, and this is what I would do, like if if we bought, like if I was working for Google and I said, all right, let's get Twitter. The first thing I'd do is I'd shut down programmatic access, and I'd say, okay, no more, no more of this auto posting of messages. <laughs> no more tweet deck. No more tweet deck. No more. Uh, bots just spamming and this and that. And we're going to make, we're going to, you know, the Twitter, one of Twitter's biggest problems is all the hate and that's going on out there. Uh, so many people, there's just so much trolling on Twitter that Google could actually shut it down with its machining, machine learning algorithms, mm -hmm. figure out, you know, which accounts are just being completely hateful and, and trolling and they could clean up the mess and then they have this really great service. A better and I think experience. That, yeah, and I think they could compete with Facebook, even though they're going to be much smaller and they're not going to be as big as Facebook, they could still be very relevant and um, a, a really great social platform for people. Right now, it's just too many bots going on. There's too much spam. Todd, while we were uh, away, uh, I saw a... A, a solid discussion, an insightful discussion, and I know we're getting apps of the week here, but I got to talk to you about this now that we're talking about this. Sure. Um, Microsoft at one point was on deck to purchase and acquire Slack, 
and hmm. they were going to do that. They were actually, you know, ta- in talks to make that move. And their CEO came in and said, wait a second. Uh, you know, I, I think it might have been even been Bill Gates was in the conversation, if I remember correctly, um, just as an advisor on the board and said, we've got Skype. We spent these billions of dollars on Skype. People have already kind of using this as, you know, a workflow uh, type mm-hmm. of so- uh, solution. Why don't we just give Skype what Slack has? And mm. if that were the case, I know you're, you know, we use Slack here on the show. It almost would make sense just to use Skype. It would. Right? Because um, it's very similar, I guess. You know, you can create groups on Skype and have, we could have this ongoing conversation. Um, and we use uh, Slack to, to kind of track what articles we're going to talk about. It's, you know, I, yeah, Skype could be integrated it, to do that. Um, or the two could be combined, you know, at the same time. So I don't know. I, 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 of course, Microsoft bought LinkedIn. So, you know, they, they kind of have the, the business social network, if you will. And Skype is, is very much a tool used by businesses. And so is Slack. So it does fit in the Microsoft portfolio so i wouldn't be surprised if they do decide unless they have they come out and said you, well you know, they yes said no. no they they were contemplating yeah. from this article and i'm just pulled up uh you know it actually backs up uh the conversation on bloomberg west where they're they're uh contemplating bidding as much as eight billion dollars to buy wow it's that big yes That's and amazing. the plan was shot down according to tech tech crunches anonymous source by microsoft co-founder bill gates and the company CEO, Satya Nadella, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, Gates favored building uh, more features into Skype to compete with Slack. So that's what they're doing. They've got some. Uh, they've got a Skype team that's strictly working on developing those tools for use for users. That's interesting. Um, Eight billion is a lot of billions, but if that you've is got a lot, lot of billions, then that is a lot. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the right move. Didn't you there used to use just be. Skype at work? I've used Skype my like entire career in that We've same always... capacity, though, right? Um, Where well, I remember you and I used to go back and forth. You're like, "Why don't you use Skype more?" We're all on Skype here at the office. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the two products, um, but I, I feel like Slack is more of a an enterprise tool. Yeah. And to be honest, like I haven't been impressed have you been impressed with skype over the last few years no it's I feel the same like it's thing. getting worse it's I'm, the same I'm thing seeing, there's, it. yeah it's the same thing yeah. yet there's more and more ads being added to it and it's getting kind of annoying and and, look i'm a buyer i pay the 9.99 a month uh so i don't just consume for like i pay it um so what do you pay for just the phone access i pay for the group group calls it was perfect for school because you couldn't get everybody on inside your picture you could get maybe you could get you could do audio group calls but then why wouldn't you use google hangouts well because that's the difference of who is in your actual uh group half the people didn't use hangouts so they just use skype so you just go with what everybody's using instead of sitting there trying to explain to them that they can use a different option some of my classes they everybody used google hangouts and that was awesome but some of them they strictly use skype for the same reason that some of some people still like that call-in number for corporate where you call in, you're like, hi, is everybody here? And yeah. it just depends on your use case. 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of people use Skype for international calls. Uh, every you know company that I do business with overseas, they're always they're all on Skype. You know, they put that in their email signature. Here's yeah. how to contact me on Skype. It seems like a great international like communication tool. Uh, we use it for the show where I'm Skyping into the studio right now. The audio quality is very good. Um, but, you know, I, Slack just does so much more. Like, even if Microsoft said, we're going to take on Slack, well, it's too late. You know, Slack has some really great third-party tools. And yet again, I'm going to say it one more time, when you start opening up your platform to developers – um, you become a lot more valuable. Oh and, yeah. And tech four one one or the, like the Slack has all these great plugins that you can use. So again, I, I think that's, we're seeing that being one of the reasons Slack is so successful. And it's a reason why the Amazon echo is so successful right now is all the third party integrations. I love it, man. I love it. Well, look, solid conversation. We could do this for days. We've got a mini episode coming up later on in the week after the big Google announcement. But let's jump into apps of the week. Uh, would you like me to go first? Sure. All right. Uh, my app of the week is, and this is funny we're even talking about this, it is a project management software, enterprise grade. It's called Zoho. Uh, Zoho offers a suite of tools. I'm using Zoho Projects. Um, and it really, this was a tool that I found helpful while I was in business school and coming out of business school, I picked up my own, uh, account where it allows me to keep track and manage. Um, I think at this point I have a little over six different projects, whether it be the big Owen Duke show, Michael Mara show, you know, free app company, uh, and keep track of the time and workflow for each one of those projects. The idea being as uh, the weeks turn into months, I can streamline some of the administrative work that I have and really focus on what's bringing value to my overall uh, work and portfolio that, and really what's bringing dollars back into the home. Okay, very good. My app of the week is very simple. It's Chipotle. And I downloaded it last week because there's a Chipotle in my building where I work, where my office is. Sweet building, by the way. Spent a few hours there on Wednesday night. Yes, um, that's right. We pulled an all-nighter there at the office. Uh, more more details on that, hopefully to be announced later. Yeah. Um, we uh, so anyway, like I the the Chipotle's so busy in my office, like oh, one of the favorite destinations for lunch. Yeah. There's always a huge long line. And by the way, and, uh, as far as the need, you know, as far as and concern, I would say that Chipotle didn't get affected as much with the whole Listeria situation. Cause if you're in an arm's throw of a Chipotle in your building, I don't think you're like that one downstairs is pretty clean. We're going to go ahead and take, uh, take the dive. <laughs> I never, I never like stopped going yeah. during that, that whole thing. Um, and, but one of the annoying things is just always a long line and you, you already know what you want. So with this app, you can create, you know, you can just use the menu. You can figure out, these are all the things that I want and you can set a time in the future that your, your burrito will be ready or your salad and you just so you start out with the app, you pick the location you want to pick it up at, you put in your order and you can pay right there uh, within the app. You can add your credit card or you can pay in the store 
And it was so easy. Once I put it in there, I went down 30 minutes. It was already made. I just took it and left and skipped the whole line. So it was uh, uh, a great experience. I know this is probably what all chains are going to be doing. We see it with Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks is phenomenal. Yeah, it's very convenient. So Chipotle's finally added that to and has their own app. So, well, maybe they've had it for a while, but I I, I just discovered it. This is the first time I'm hearing of it. Uh, The one thing with the Chipotle app, and I guess this is just subject to my barista. Uh, (laughs) So I pre-order and I come in. And as soon as I come in, they're like, plain bagels here because I get a plain bagel. So they just call me plain bagel. Uh, I know. I walked into the Starbucks with you. And <laughs> they're like, hey, plain bagel. <laughs> like, what kind of nickname is that? It's not one I'm really, really passionate about, Todd. Because <laughs> <laughs> while it's embarrassing with you, you're my friend and you're like, oh, I can tell you the story for any other stranger in there. Oh, that's he, that guy must be really into plain bagels. I was like, so this is why you're packing on LBs. Like, yeah. if you walk into a Starbucks and they're calling you plain bagel, like, you know, your your diet isn't that great. Like, if that's your morning go to so every true. morning. That's so true. All right. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, we're going to de- delineate from our usual, uh, we're out of time, uh, Mac. Sorry, no no time for your app because he's brought a uh, game changer, uh, at least in my eyes, yes. to the table. And I think Todd agrees. Uh, to, uh, Mac, what is your app of the week? My app of the week is called Swift Playground. It is made by Apple and it is a game that can teach kids how to program in Swift, which is the programming language for Apple apps. This is awesome. Uh, Can you, A, give a little more insight, uh, Mac, as far as what this app has done? Because you spent some time with it, right? Yeah, I finished the first course of it. I'm I'm in the middle of the second. And it teaches you all the different types of uh, functions and everything that you can do within programming. I would say the age range that this is going for is around 10 years old. It has a very childish, childlike facade of it. But it's actual programming that you're doing to uh, move your character. And I'll explain that. You have different functions in terms of your character is on a little board. And you can move forward, turn left, turn right, collect a gem, toggle a switch. And you have to make your program to make it as easy as possible for him to get around, collect all the things he needs, and get to a certain destination all through programming. There's no button pushing it's just you got to type in and know the programs. It helps you which uh, functions you got to use, but you got to do it through programming to finish each level. Todd, this is pretty remarkable these days yeah. that there's something out there like this now. Yeah, Apple announced this uh, uh, a while ago, and I'm I think it's been almost a year since they announced it, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent on that. But um, we've we've been waiting a long time for this. I think parents, uh, if you want to encourage your kids to maybe look to doing computer science, getting into that, or an engineer. Or if they have an interest. Yeah, or or for adults, you can use, it's perfectly fine for adults to use it too. It's very informative. So, and Swift is Apple's new new programming language um, following Objective-C, which is, you know, historically Objective-C has been rated like the worst language (laughs) ever created. Um, I've never been a fan of Objective-C, but all of my own iPhone apps are Objective-C. They came out with Swift a couple years ago. It's a, a much better language. Um, and then, of course, this app, which, by the way, only runs on the iPad. You need to have an iPad in order to download this. It is a free download. 
But the game, it's not really a game, but it's it's built on a game. So you're programming your avatar to move around this world. It, it actually look. I haven't used it personally, but looking at the screenshots, it looks pretty good. And it's going to teach you all the programming constructs that um, you'll need in your day-to-day life. I think uh, I think you'd be crazy not to give this a try, and especially if your child... Uh, shows I- any ackling towards, you know, the, the uh, computer technology. Um, this, to me, is kind of combining, you know, we all know kids love video games. and But, you know, if you could also teach them how to do programming and the syntax behind it, uh, I think this is just a fantastic idea. So if you got that iPad, I highly recommend this as well. All right, man. Game Breaker. And with your first app of the week, you come in swinging. Yeah, six months or something. (laughs) Todd, what do you have to promote before we get out of here? Well, as you know, I've spent a very long time on White Noise version 7. If you haven't downloaded the free version to your Android or iOS device, I would really appreciate it. More importantly, the big feature is you can record your own white noise loops and then upload and share them with the world. And if you would please do that and if you let me know about your sound, I may even feature it on the market and you can get millions of people to download and try out your sound. So it could be a lot of fun. All right. Can't wait to see that, especially if listeners want to uh, uh, reach out to Todd and let him know this is, was my sound. Let's see if we can uh, get some traction there. Again, awesome. it's uh, White Noise 7. Uh, download yes. it today. At Oscar Radio on Twitter. That's all I'm promoting right now. Please give it a follow. I am heavy. Back in. No more just Sunday tweets. We're talking all week. I may just do it today just for fun again. But, um, but yeah, I, lo- I forgot how much fun Twitter can be especially when you're having a back and forth with someone, not just uh, the trolling aspect, but having an actual conversation. (laughs) Stay away from those bots. All right, that's it for our show. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. This is the sound. This is Tech 411. The preceding program was brought to you by More Broadcasting. For more information, visit us at morebroadcasting.com.